0: And Gambo, live at Footprint Center on Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Here on the Burns Gambo Show, as we are live from Footprint Center, and we will be here until 6.30 tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks in town, potentially a finals preview. Of course, we're a long ways away from that, not in terms of the season, but in terms of the Phoenix Suns becoming a whole again. Kevin Durant, you know, still waiting on his return. It's going to be a couple more weeks, and the Suns are going to have to survive without him. Um, as we, you know, game starts at 7 o'clock tonight, and as we preview this one and talk about the state of the Suns, I, I think it's a good moment for both of us here to kind of reiterate our position on this thing with no Kevin Durant for Phoenix right now. It's not the losses necessarily that are concerning, or the way that they're playing. As long as Kevin Durant comes back before the playoffs start, you and I both think everything yeah. will be fine for this team. Sure. They just have to get him back with a playoff start. That's what we're expecting, and that's yeah. what we think will make the difference. Then in and hope
1: that that he could stay healthy because he, the reality too is he hasn 't played a lot of basketball since like early january i mean you know he only played three games he you know went down with that injury and then he came back and he played three games and he 's down again i mean you're talking about You know, a three to four month period. Well, he's only played three basketball games by the time he comes back. So, is that a factor or not? Now, you're hoping it won't be. I mean, we saw what happened when he got integrated into the lineup right away. It was pretty smooth. It was pretty flawless. He came in, they opened it up with that game against Charlotte. Like um, that was a good get. That in the Dallas game, three games that he played in, and you know he was really good, and the rest of the team was good, and that's what you're reliant on. I mean, look, this is all your eggs are in this basket. A combination of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant leading to leading you to a championship, and. If they, either one of those guys is is not right, not healthy or not right, then they, they have no chance
0: to win a championship. Yeah, which is why moments like last night, I mean, nobody wants to get punched in the face like that against Golden State. Nobody wants to lose to a division rival. Suns hadn't lost to the Warriors since Christmas of last season, right? I mean, it's been a while. It's crazy to think, but it's been a while since they've lost to the Warriors. None of this, are they the fourth seed? Are they the fifth seed? Are they the sixth seed? None of this really for us, moves the meter that much. Obviously, there are certain matchups you'd like to avoid, certain matchups you'd prefer. The big thing to avoid, and the big thing to keep an eye on, is that seven seed in the Western Conference. You gotta stay out of that if you're the Suns. Not that I don't think they couldn't stay, win. It's, out dangerous. Of the it's, it's dangerous. dangerous. It's dangerous. Dangerous when you get into a one-game situation because yeah. literally, one guy goes happen. off, you just don't know. Listen, I mean, look,
1: and I thought about this last night as as Memphis. Uh, Sacramento lost um, last night, so you, you stay pace with them. Memphis had won the night before. What if you fell to six in your matchups against the what would you play the three seed? Yes. And what if the three seed is Memphis? You might prefer that. Like it's not like you it's not so prefer, bad. You might like actually prefer
0: the six seed when it's right, all said I mean, and with
1: done. John Moran, Steven Adams is out. And it's like, like like I'm not worried about like oh my god they fell to the six seed. So you might get Sacramento or Memphis as the six seed. It's not so bad. Four or five might be more dangerous because four five—you know—four or five could be the Clippers. It could be the Warriors. You might have a much tougher time in the four or five. I mean, the six. I mean, we don't know, but the six may end up being a, a really good spot to be in because you may get, you know, an opponent that's not battle tested at all in Sacramento or injury depleted team like Memphis it, right it, now. It
0: could honestly be the. Pref- you could argue it's the preferred place for them to be. I mean, I would. You could you could argue that if the, okay, if you're going to tell me that, four, they're, five or six. that they're not going to get to three, that they can't get to three. All right, and I don't know if that's a. It feels like we're teetering on the of that becoming like a for-sure thing. Lose tonight, and lose tonight, and you might start believing that they're not going to be able to get there. And so then if you said to me, what's the second best outcome if you're not going to get to three? you You're making the argument, and you're making a good one. Memphis that, that, to Sacramento. Six is the best spot for you to be. Even though you don't have home court advantage, you will open up against a team that's not the Warriors, not the Clippers, potentially, depending on where you end up. Sure. Let the Warriors and the Clippers battle each other in the first round. It'd be a hell of a first round series. Yeah. Let them go to war. Now, be for careful what you games. wish for because Sacramento is,
1: you know, they're not battle tested. They've got the longest playoff drought, but they're a pretty good basketball sure, team. Sure, of course. Sure, and they've course. been healthy all year long. Last year we wished for Dallas, and look what happened. They got punked by Dallas. So, again, be careful what you wish for. But I'm not really, like I said, I'm not really thinking about it. I'm not really worried about it. If lose this game tonight, I don't care. I mean, you're you're playing good basketball teams. You played Sacramento. You played um, Golden State on the road where where they don't... They don't lose,
0: and now you play in the defending champs in Milwaukee. Like, if you lose three games in a row, so be it. I don't. I'm not really worried about it. And here's another reason why. Okay, I know the Kings lost last night, but if you're thinking about catching number three, Memphis won again last night. Maybe beat Dallas 104 88. Right. They did no Kyrie, they, yeah. no Luca. They're both out hurt still. Desmond Bain had 23. Well, he's um, been playing great. He really has. And the Grizzlies have won three straight. Suns loved him in the draft a few years. ago. Desmond, so, Desmond, Desmond Bain. I remember you mentioning exactly. that. that they really quite liked. a bit. Yeah. Um. They. So the Grizzlies are... Are doing their best without John Morant. Now, if you missed the news yesterday about Morant, he's in a counseling program. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported he's been seeking assistance for what he described in a statement as a need to, quote, get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. So he is out of Memphis on a leave from the team. He's in a counseling program. No word on when he's going to come back. But to your point about Sacramento, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here rooting to play Sacramento or Memphis in the first round. Be careful what you wish for. I think you could say the same thing about Memphis. If they got John Morant back right before the playoffs, you know, could he not have the same effect on them that a Kevin Durant return could have on the Suns? Durant's a better player and he's more calm. Con- I'll give you that. You're not afraid of
1: anybody if they're in the West if Durant is healthy. You're not afraid of anybody. You'll take anybody on if you've got a healthy Kevin Durant. Now, if you don't have a healthy, healthy Kevin Durant, it's, it's wait till next year, you know, and this year will be a waste. But if Kevin Durant comes back and he's healthy, then I do like I don't think when the playoffs start, we're going to look back. Do you remember that three-game stretch in March? Oh no, they, nobody cares. Oh no, nobody cares. So you said you watch these games. You hope they win. You know, you are not rooting for your team to lose. You hope they win. But I think with a grain of salt, like it doesn't mean anything. It really. The only way it would mean something, and you're 100 percent right on this. The only way it would mean something is that they had this horrific slide and fell into the play-in tournament because the play-in tournament is scary. Yeah, it's a scary proposition that you know one guy could go off and you could lose a basketball So game. let's get
0: everybody then, since that's the scary proposition, let's get everybody kind of caught up on where the Suns stand right now. They're, they're still in fourth. Uh, Golden State is only a game and a half behind them in fifth. The Clippers are only a game and a half behind the Suns for sixth. So the idea that they could drop to sixth is only a game and a half separating those two after what happened okay, last what about night? seven? Seven. Minnesota? They are two and a half games away from Minnesota at seven. They're actually closer to seven than they are to two. They're as close to seven as they are to three. So, you know, if they stay put, fine. But two and a... It's like, if they get within... Two games, a game and a half of seven. Okay, then I'm going to say these games do start to matter because you just don't want to be there. But who's coming up? You got Orlando coming up. Like, like
1: there are games, there's not a lot, but the, you got an Orlando game coming up. Um, there are some games
0: that are more winnable than Golden State, Milwaukee, and Sacramento. There's no doubt that this is kind of the tough stretch for the team. I'm, just, yeah, it's I'm very tough. tough. I'm pulling up the, these last three games, we were expecting brutal, and it's been brutal. I'm, you mentioned Orlando. They're next. I'm pulling up the schedule. Right now, give me just a second here with the Wi Fi. It's been walking tonight, then Orlando, Oklahoma City, at the Lakers. Listen, where's Oklahoma City right at now? O- uh, right in now, Oklahoma City is Lakers are battling for their lives. Oklahoma City is too. Oklahoma City is eleventh, just yeah. on the outside of the play in. A, a game out? Is it a game out no, of the play in? They, they've got the same record. They just lose the tiebreaker. Okay, so they're t- uh, right. so they're basically tied for the last spot in the play. Yeah, so you're playing
1: a desperate team at Oklahoma City, a desperate team in the Lakers. So you know you get down to the wire here. You're playing some teams with a lot to play for. Yes. So even though the it's not Milwaukee, it's not Sacramento, it's not Golden State, you're still playing desperate teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I think the the only fear I would have is if, had if, if you fell to you know, 7, 8, 9, or 10, you know, you fell into one of those situations. I don't think that's going to happen, and I think the reason why is because they, they do have Devin Booker. And I think Devin Booker's good enough to win you some games You know, almost single-handedly. Now, they've got issues. Let's not sugarcoat this. There's a lot of issues that this team is dealing with right now, um, and hopefully some of those, those get resolved. Everything gets fixed, I would believe, when Kevin Durant comes back. But in the meantime, yeah, you need to win some basketball games so you are going to fall.
0: The weather is getting warmer. Arizona Sports and Fulton Homes are reminding you that two seconds is too long to take your eyes off your kids around water. For life-saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, text the word SWIM to 620-620. He was the first significant loss for the Cardinals, and it hurt. What do the experts think of Zach Allen signing with the Denver Broncos? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and show. Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we welcome you back to the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. If you're just tuning in, Kaiser White. <laughs> Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Kys- <laughs> White, two-year deal, $11 million max with the Arizona Cardinals. I got you thinking about it. I, you too. I got you thinking well, about which why, it. Which is why I'm cheating, yeah. and I'm reading off my, my, yeah. my cheat sheet here, just to make sure I don't say Kaiser Sose accidentally. Two-year, $11 million max deal with the Cardinals. Um, 110 tackles last year, seven pass breakups, three tackles for loss. Uh, obviously, an Eagles guys, the connection with Gannon, the connection with Rawless, there, there's, there's certainly... 4 ex- four three, four three expect a 4-3 that Gannon's going to play. Yep. So the three linebackers would be Isaiah Simmons, David Collins, and him. Do You think? I mean, unless they're moving... I, we're all looking for clues and hints as to how Gannon and Rollis intend to use Isaiah Simmons. And I don't know if we can glean any hints from this. Are they going to move Isaiah Simmons to more of an edge-rushing, pass-rushing role? Or are they going to ask Isaiah Simmons to play more safety? Maybe he's not the third linebacker. Maybe he plays Plays more of a safety role. I don't know. I, I I saw some speculation on Twitter. Like, okay, they're signing White. It means this is what their linebacking core looks like. Well, yeah, but we don't really know yet for sure what they're going to do with Isaiah Simmons and, and how Gannon views Isaiah Does Simmons. Doesn't feel like he could be a full time pass rusher or a full
1: time safety. It feels like he could be a part time guy in those roles. Like you you can't you can't wear him out. That a defensive lineman. No, not be rushing off the edge safety. like a,
0: like a you know hand in the dirt no, kind of guy. No. no. So like at you know at times you could use him in those areas but I mean I still think he's best suited to be a linebacker. Yeah, it, it the decision to give him that fifth year on his rookie contract. It's due sometime in the next month or two. They still have a ways before they need to make that decision. But trust me, we are all kind of looking for hints on how they plan on deploying Isaiah Simmons. They signed an off-the-ball linebacker today in white. Now, obviously, yesterday, the big news for the Cardinals and free agency was Zach Allen. Huge. He goes to the Denver Broncos. He gets paid a lot of money. Way more than some people thought Zach Allen was going to get. There's been nothing yet on Byron Murphy. The grades, though, and you sent me one story today. I think it was Sports Illustrated. Gave it an A, if I'm not mistaken. The Broncos signing of Sports Illustrated gave it an A. Yep. I mean, I was looking at the grades on
1: it and a. You know, they basically, you know, uh, you know, said that the Broncos were, were busy on day one, but they, they looked at the signing, three years, $45 million, $32.5 million guaranteed, and said he might become a steal for the Broncos. He flourished last season as a pass rusher and run stopper, continues to improve on a yearly basis which, a basis, which Joseph is aware of, having spent the past four seasons with Allen in Arizona. And I mentioned yesterday his tackle rate will be in second to Aaron Donald. Remember that that 5.5? His run
0: stuff rate. I His think. run
1: stuff rate. That's yeah. either a you know tackle for a loss or no gain. He was second to Aaron Donald in that category. So a really good run stuffing guy who's, you know, is about the, the thing. Is, you know, I've had a lot of people that were kind of negative, like on Zach Owen. I wouldn't have gave him that much money. That's too much money to give. Look, you kind of feel like he's on the verge of having like a like a, a great career. You feel like he's right there. Took all that knowledge from JJ Watt, and now he gets to go use it for the Broncos. You felt like he was right on the verge of breaking out. Now, some people might say, he did break out last year. The sacks weren't but The quarterback pressures were. The quarterback hits. He did a great job as a, as a run stuffer. So there's a lot to like about his game. But you really feel like he's really about to come into his own in the next year or so. Yeah,
0: El- Evan Silva has covered the NFL for a while. He tweeted out this morning. I took a screenshot of it. Seeing criticism of the Broncos signing defensive lineman Zach Allen. And then he goes off to list all the things that kind of you were talking about. He's, he's only entering his age 26 season, so he's still in the prime. He knows the defense. The last two years, he's been very good. He's elite. He's ascending. Um, his his average annual salary isn't that expensive. I I, I like it for the Broncos. I, I but I like Zach Allen. You know what? Last year we said this yesterday. Last year wasn't awful, awful year for the Cardinals. There was very little of it to be proud of or to like. Zach Allen was something to be proud of. Zach Allen was something to like, and it sucks that the one thing that came out of that awful year last year is now in Denver, you know, getting paid very well for it. It, it, it sucks, sucks to lose having that guy. And to
1: lose good football players while they're young to other teams. It's, it's, it's tough to draft Christian Kirk, watch him become a good player, and then lose him. Draft Zach Allen and watch him become a good player and lose him. Draft us on Reddick. Watch him have 12 and a half sacks, finally get it and then lose him. Like it's 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 becoming annoying. It is. It's becoming annoying to have these good football players, and you can't keep them. You know, you got to figure out a way. I mean, that's why I really love what the Diamondbacks did with Corbin Carroll. He's going to be here for eight years. He's not going anywhere. Got to figure out a way. Like, you know, you you mentioned Isaiah Simmons' 50-year option. Are they going to pick it up or not going to pick it up? Like, if you think he's a good football player, you got to pick it up. But the Cardinals have had quite a few players, you know, leave as they're just hitting their prime and having good football seasons. That's not the way you build a football
0: team. Okay real quick. Yeah. Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, did he just, what, he just got paid? No. He just tweeted out at DeAndre Hopkins. <clears throat> it's about that time. And three sets of eyeball emojis. Did Hopkins respond? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Micah Parsons can't get paid yet. He's still on his rookie deal. Nope. He's not responded yet. It's about that time? Micah Parsons <laughs> tweeted at DeAndre Hopkins. It's about that time. And three pairs of eyeball, look at this, emojis. Nothing yet, but... I wouldn't be surprised if something... It's about that is, time to
1: get some work in and it,
0: practice. It, it's about that it's time. It's about that time to hit that concert we wanted to go to. <laughs> it's about that time to have that lunch, that cup of coffee that we were talking about. Uh, it's about that time. It's about that time to it's, get on uh, get on and play a little NBA 2K. Is DeAndre Hopkins about to get traded to the Dallas Cowboys? I don't know. You, you, you've kind of been hitting on the Cowboys all along. That makes sense. It, just makes, it, it, it feels like the... And if it happens today, we'll get more into it. But it does feel like the kind of go-for-it move that the Cowboys would like to make, the statement they would like to it's make. It's a huge splash. It's a big splash. It puts like all of the onus on Dak Prescott if they do it. Like, hey, man, if Dak's not going to win with C.D. Lamb and DeAndre Hopkins, is he ever going to win? Right. Like, it puts all the onus on him to succeed with that. It would, If it happens, it would be a huge move for Dallas, and I'd have to start looking at their draft picks to see what they could potentially give up. Not sure. Yeah, look at their picks. I mean, it'd be—I be
1: I would imagine as a playoff team, it's not going to be a great second-round pick. But still, it's a second-round pick. You know, and Hopkins will have to redo his deal with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, you know, for them to pair him with C.D. Lamb and have those, you know, two great
0: wide receivers. Okay, we're just theorizing here. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Dallas Cowboys had the 26th overall pick in round one, mm-hmm. the 58th overall pick in round two. Okay, I'll take it. The 90th pick in round three. Number fifty-eight for D. Hop. You're or dealing with a. You de- how old is Jerry Jones? I, don't know. I mean, you're dealing with something.
1: A, He's in you're his... dealing with an owner that's very desperate to win again. He hasn't won in was it 26, 27 years since the ninety-five Super Bowl. The guys, yeah. the guy's eighty years old. Okay, like I think he'll give up the second-round pick. Rather than play games, I'm getting too old. I don't have time to play these games. Get the guy, <laughs> second round pick. Well, we get th- third. I don't want to play these games. Like, <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. No, like uh, if you're going to get a second from somebody, Jerry Jones is going to be like would, give up the second. Would seem I want to be the, the guy, guy who would
0: hand. do it, right? Like, who's not going to drive the hardest bargain in the world because he's 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 desperate. I, I mean, it, it, it's every year they're always in in Dallas. They're always trying to win a championship for in large part because it's the Cowboys and it's been so long he's i wouldn't eight, be surprised he's 80 years old the yeah. last time they won a super bowl he was in his 50s
1: <laughs> God, that's crazy like he was in his 50s that's now crazy. he's in his 80s yeah like yeah. he like that's a desperate team they're gonna do what they have to do to get him no doubt
0: about I it i think it makes sense i think it makes a lot of sense i think it does too I, and i don't know if Micah parsons tweeting about it means that it's going to happen but it's interesting that he's tweeting well, usually about it. it does right anytime somebody, somebody tweets something is it <laughs> almost like a foregone <laughs> conclusion <laughs> Sarcasm. Truly noted. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Suns starters, well, two of them, anyway, they were good. The Suns bench yesterday. Oh boy. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, live at Footprint Center on Sunday, presented by Mikel you. Footprint Center, and our coverage today, McLoab Ultra Fan Duel. It's the reason why that we are here, and we're going to be here until 6.30, walking you right up until pregame coverage of the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks on this Suns Day. As Giannis and the crew, of course, as soon as we get word how much of that crew will be playing tonight on the second night of a back-to-back, we'll let you know. We, We certainly have questions about that, given that that was his first game back since March 5th. We haven't heard anything in terms of his availability, Middleton's availability, or the Going to be on a restriction, a limit. We'll get more information with that one the closer we get. Of course, the Suns are also on the second night of a back to back, having lost to the Warriors last night, 123 112. This is a continuing conversation about the Suns that it feels like we had yesterday, too. The Suns bench against Sacramento, not good. The Suns bench last night against Golden State, not good. And if there's been one very early trend that we've seen so far in this time without Kevin Durant, the Suns bench has really been exposed as a liability these last couple of games without him and with this team kind of searching for their identity again right now. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, obviously the, the bench is a lot different
1: of a bench than it was in previous years when the Suns had more money in invested in the bench and, and things like that and a higher draft picks. I mean Cam Johnson was a first round pick coming off the bench for them. And the plan was this year, you know, that Jay Crowder was going to come off the bench for them. And that would have been a you know a good veteran player coming off the bench. Look, I'd like to see T J Warren get a shot here because right now without Kevin Durant you need scoring. And TJ could score the basketball. So, I mean, that's a guy I'd like to see them give TJ an opportunity to score the ball. Maybe if it's maybe it's as a starter and you put Tory Craig back on the bench or, or something. But here's the problem. Damian Lee, I mean, we were talking about this guy being in a three-point shooting contest. Mm-hmm. What happened to Damian Lee? He's not the same player that he was. Cameron Payne,
0: oh. I mean, he can't get you ten points in a basketball game anymore. He can't do it. Gambo, honestly, uh, if we're going to have a conversation about bench guys, And I... I, uh, Let's go back for a sec. The T.J. Warren take is... His defense is pretty bad, too. I don't know if it's as bad as Terrence Ross's, but I do think he deserves more than th- three minutes like he got last night to see if he can find a little bit of a... The, the the hook on TJ seems to be really short, right? Like, he's... you you got about three minutes to impress me, and if you're not going to, forget it. You're, you're out. And I do think in searching for something off the bench, Monty should maybe give TJ a little bit more of a look, a little bit longer of a look. Defensively, he's a liability, too. He's not much better than Terrence Ross out there, but... Ross has been so bad defensively, and they do need some scoring. I'll be curious to see if TJ gets a little more run in this time without Kevin Durant. I think he's I think he's earned the right to at least try, yeah. given the bench Look, struggles. Look, Kogi was a guy that was coming off the bench for you. And, you know, right now, I
1: think they're really having a hard time figuring out who's a better fit. I mean, last night, they played Biz Biyombo, and, you know, Biz had some struggles. Uh, they At times, they played Landale. I mean, last year, they had JaVale McGee, and JaVale McGee was really good for them last year. He's terrible with Dallas this year, but he was really good for the Suns um, last year. I think, you know, they had a better bench last year than the year before, and this year, you know, you've got to, you're going like Ish Wainwright. I, I like Ish, but he gets a lot of minutes off the bench. You know, he got 13 last night. Biz got 10. Cameron Payne got 18. Damian Lee got 18. He shot 3 for 9. Uh, Terrence Ross got 15 minutes. He didn't even shoot well last night, but he was 1 for 5, Terrence Ross. But he was a minus 14, Ross. Lee was a minus 11. Payne was a minus 11. Uh, Biombo was a minus 8. The, the bench is not they played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 guys last night on the bench. Seven guys. Seven guys. Um, and Landale only got three minutes, and TJ Warren only got three minutes. So really, five guys got you know between 10 and 18 minutes, and it's just not good enough. I mean, they're not getting enough out of their bench right now. And right now, they need their bench because it's not they're just not playing three guys 40 minutes a
0: game in Booker, Paul, and KD. And here's the thing about this. The whole bench conversation all right, kind of centers around this idea that, yeah, the bench is not good now, and, yeah, the bench is a problem now. Clearly, the trade that they made weaken the bench and cut into their depth. When the playoffs start, we're just not expecting the Suns to need or use their bench that much. The minutes are going to shrink on the bench. The minutes Mm -hmm. are going to grow for the starter. This is really about now, surviving now, surviving these next few weeks without Kevin Durant. You're going to need your bench for that. I I agree the bench, I don't want to say becomes irrelevant, but it's certainly not as relevant when the playoffs start because of the way everything's going to shift. But until that happens, until Kevin Durant comes Back, you are going to need your bench play. Now, let's talk about the guy. Let's spend a couple of minutes talking about the guy I'm really concerned about on the bench, and that's Cameron Payne. Yes, I'm very worried about him because of all the of all the guys that you would expect to get run in the playoffs. Campaign is front and center on that list, right? Like he's one of the first guys you would think of because of Chris's age and because of his role as the the backup point guard. Campaign's been terrible since coming back. It's terrible. You have uh, you
1: pushed really hard to go get a different backup point guard. You wanted Goran Dragic. I think there was somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but there was another guy that you oh. kind of wanted them to get. There were a couple of, Was it Derrick Rose? No, it wasn't Derrick Rose. But it that's was, like Derrick Rose was kind of, you kind of thought maybe Derrick Rose would get bought out. He could do something there. Reggie, it was, Jackson. Reggie Jackson. It was Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. Yeah, as a backup point yeah, guard. I was
0: very interested in him. Even though he kind of struggled this year, I was very interested in him. Um, Camp Pain. I'm, I'm doing a quick, quick number search here. Since coming back, since coming back from his last injury, uh, he's played in eight games. He's averaging about 14 minutes per game. He's shooting 42% from the floor. He's shooting 27% from three. He's averaging three assists per game and two turnovers per game. That's not going to get no. it done. No. That's not. That's that. That's not because then because here's what here's the here's the domino effect of that. All right, okay. Now campaign you don't trust him with big minutes off the bench. Now it means you play more of Chris Paul, which you don't want to do because he's thirty seven nope. years old. You nope. want to try to limit that. Mm-hmm. You're going to ask Devin Booker to be more of an on ball point you could guard. Do that. You could do that. And of course, when Kevin Durant comes back, he's not a pure point guard, but clearly he can initiate an offense and clearly he can handle the pill. So he, he'll he'll be fine out there too. But it's going it, to the emphasis that it puts on Chris and him having to manage the situation without a backup they can trust. Look, Campaign was one of the best most trusted players during the entire Suns run two years ago to the finals. He has been struggling to find that version of himself ever since. He got off to a good start this year. Especially when he was starting for Chris. But ever since coming back from the injury, boy, he's just not been the same guy. And it's so, killing him. Against New Orleans, he averaged 15 minutes off the bench.
1: Okay. Against Dallas, he started with 19. Then he had 12-14. The last couple games were 4-4, like he went down. So, um... You know, he only averaged twelve there, but the first series against the Pelicans, it was fifteen minutes a game. You know, you have Chris good break a good break. You have him come in, and and you're hoping that he can carry the load. It it may end up being a mistake that they didn't address the backup point now, last year. They had other guys on the roster; that didn't play very much. We had Alfred Payton, you had Aaron Holiday, you had guys that you could have that were point. They actually went to Holiday. It was a, a little Holiday bit. in the playoffs a little bit, right? Yeah, they Just went to, to Holiday a little yep, bit, yep, um, because he can at least shoot. But this year, you had opportunities to address the backup a point guard. There were several of them that were kind of available. They didn't go after any of them. They put their faith in campaign. Now, if he doesn't get the job done, it might be more where when Chris goes to take a rest, you just have Book handle the ball. Might have to be that.
0: And campaign might render himself unplayable. There was a preview, a game preview for tonight on Bright Side of the Sun, written by Dave King. And he spent a lot of time talking about campaign and just looking at his shooting splits before the first injury, before the second injury, and then since coming back he writes quote he doesn't run a good offense anymore he dribbles outside the three-point arc scans the defense either makes a weak pass into the post and drives left for a floater against the sagging defense that wants him to take that shot then on the other end he's committing fouls trying to get through a screener on the pick and roll the defense has him pegged guard his left hand to the three-point line entice him to drive and get him to make a mistake can, can you go to Sabin Lee you know what? Well, why not? You can now. Just see? Just see. To play, see? Playoff time, I'm not so sure. I think you can now if you're Monty. You can try Sabin Lee back on for size and see what he can give you to see if it's better than campaign. Monty puts a lot of trust in guys. He's one of those coaches who likes to do that. He's obviously put a lot of trust in campaign. I think another game or two like this at a cam and they're gonna have to try Sabin Lee. I don't know if I trust him come playoff time, given his lack of experience. But during the regular season, sure. Give him a look. Cam, cam can be had a, better than cam, cam. had a lot of struggles in some of those playoff games he last year. He was almost unplayable at times during he, the playoffs. They last barely year. played
1: him in two of those games against Dallas. They just they couldn't get so if that's the if that's the case, I mean your choice is go with one of the other guys on your roster, like Sabin, or just have you know have book handle the book chris chris goes out and book handles the ball now it allows you to trap book a lot easier.
0: Sure. If sure. you're a defense and you want to trap book, you could. And Durant will obviously help all of this with his handle and what he can do with the basketball. But, yeah, it's it limits your options. It limits your options. And I do wish they had done more to address that around the deadline. Or, and I get it. Kevin Durant was the goal, was the mission. But, boy, uh, you wanted that insurance, policy, sure, sure did. Sure did. When we come back, turns out ASU is getting plenty of love for their first four matchup tomorrow. We'll tell you what the experts are saying about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona sports. The local sports leader. Welcome back to the Burns and Gambo show. John Gambador, Dave Burns hanging out with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Tomorrow tournament starts tonight, right? We yeah, two games tonight? Yes. Not ASU, though. No, not ASU. Yeah, tomorrow. ASU's tomorrow. I'm it's the, Nevada. Against Nevada. In Dayton. And at least some of the experts are saying ASU will win. Take ASU to cover. ASU 73, Nevada 68. Go with ASU to cover. Ne- well, here's one. Nevada 70, ASU 69. Uh, Seth Davis from The Athletic wrote a preview for the first four games. He's picking Nevada. Nevada. He thinks that the way they take care of the ball, um, that that will that will bode well for them. Um, but most of the lean seems to be ASU. What was it, Casey Jacobson told us yesterday? He's like Nevada's fine on their best day. ASU should be able to handle Nevada pretty easily when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean it's
1: you know it's 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 a very you know, a very up and down team. ASU. You didn't know what to what to expect from, you know, from one game to the next. They're very inconsistent. And it really had to do with, look, they play good defense. They're tenacious. They're on the ball. Defense is tremendous. They strip a lot of balls. But, man, their offense is, like, if they're cold, like, they're done. Like, if they got, if Dez and, and they're not shooting the ball well, they're in a lot of trouble. So that's the thing you don't like about them. They just don't shoot the ball very well. They hit 31% of their three-point shots. You know where that ranked in Division One? I? I have it right here in front of me. 316th. 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 Like, The NCAA tournament, you've got to knock down some threes usually when you're in a game. You got to knock down some threes. ASU doesn't knock down threes. They don't shoot the ball very well. Their overall field goal percentage is 41.8. That's 301st in in Division One. Mm -hmm. So they don't shoot the ball well. They don't shoot the three well, and they don't even shoot free throws well. They're 69.5%, which puts them 255th. This team can't shoot.
0: Yeah, (laughs) which is why, which is that's how they beat USC. the, The the game that they needed to have to be in this. They were, in the first place. they were lights out. They were lights out. Does Cambridge hit six of them? I think as a team they hit fourteen of them. It feels like that's once every four or five oh, games I know. they and, do that. And that's and that's going to be if if this is if tomorrow night isn't one of those moments for them, they will likely lose, or it'll likely be a white knuckle affair that'll come right down to the end. If they shoot the way they've shown occasionally, they're capable of doing, then I think they'll pretty easily advance beyond Nevada and into the true NCAA tournament, where they'll play TCU. I, and I guess that's. Before we talk about U of A, I guess that's my question about ASU. Is the season, I think I know how you're going to answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yes. Is the season already a success? Yes. Then No matter what happens tomorrow, because in years past, we've suggested to make the season a success, they had to win the play-in tournament. They had to win the play-in Um is, is it different this time? And if so, why is it different?
1: You know, I don't really know, but I, I think. Look, I think I've come to the realization that the expectations should never be high for ASU basketball. It's a, it's a shame, but the reality is you hope, you know, you hope to be a bubble team two or three out of every five years. You know, you hope to be and that's what they are. I mean, they're, they're the best that you can hope for with this program and their 100-year-old facilities, you know, is that they they could be a team that's that's right on the bubble, and 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 in a five-year period, they get into it three times. Yeah, and maybe they can make a run here or there. I do think it's a success that they got in. I think it saves, you know, it, it staves off any. Body that wants to get rid of Bobby Hurley and, and bring somebody else in uh, because he did get them to the NCAA. For, look, for a lot of teams, it is a success that you get into the NCAA tournament. It's unfortunate that I feel that way about ASU. You you should want them to be better, but how unrealistic is it to sit there and say no? A success for ASU is Sweet Sixteen, really? Well, yeah,
0: no, ASU, and I wasn't saying Sweet Sixteen, but I, I understand the point you're making, and I actually think it's a really good one. I, I think in the, I think in the early days of Bobby Hurley, when they made these first four games, and they lost once to Syracuse, and then they beat St. John's the other time when they did it. I think back then, that was early in Bobby Hurley's career with ASU, at least earlier than it is now. We had higher hopes. We had higher expectations. He's Bobby Hurley. You know, this is the beginning of this of this stretch for ASU, where maybe they can be competitive and they do stuff like this every single year. And I think what we quickly realized is that no matter what Bobby Hurley does, ASU basketball is still ASU basketball. No matter if Bobby Hurley's their coach or Herb Sendak's their coach or Rob Evans or whomever. And so I think that's what's changed, is that the last time they were in the first four, we expected them to win and advance because we thought Bobby Hurley would do that kind of thing for a program. Now that it's been, what, he has been eight years that he's been here? We kind of know ASU basketball is still ASU basketball. That's what it is. This is what it is. And so yep. to demand that they win the play-in game right. as a measure of success, yeah, maybe that would have fluked. That flies five years ago. I don't think that flies now for ASU basketball. We know. It's just that the standards are relatively low. Can you
1: imagine... Tommy Lloyd's team, after seeing the seeding coming out, run out and jumping into a pool. <laughs> I mean, come on! Like, to say the, the difference, like, you think the Arizona Wildcats well, are going to jump into a pool? Hey, we're two, we're two, we got the two seed, yeah. Like, I mean, at ASU, it's like you're celebrating that they got in, and I don't, I'm not blame them for that, but I'm just, it's oh, good you for far? you! Hey, we got in the tournament. Let's go jump in Bobby's pool. Ooh, we're so happy we got to the tournament. We're going to Dayton. To like,
0: be fair, they legitimately did not know. Know whether they were going or not, right? Like they were truly—they no, didn't know. They didn't the know. Second to the last team. But I understand your point. It, it just goes to show differences that we all know exist in the two programs that have existed for a while. Let's talk about U of A uh, because today on ESPN.com they kind of ran through some of their predictions and how far they think each team can go in the NCAA tournament. And for U of A, um, they used some interesting words to describe U of A. The Wildcats limped down the stretch of the pack. 12 regular season, going 3-3. Three and three. Late game struggles have been the culprit all season long. Joey Brackets says that the Cats will ride Azulus to Bellis, but fall surprisingly short of the Sweet 16. Listen, um, I've watched
1: just about every game they played, and they, they are a very talented offensive basketball team, but they don't shoot free throws well either, and they don't defend very well. And Tabellus and Balo give them a big advantage up front because they've got both of those guys have size. And, and the key is really just the guard play. You know, if Ramey's hitting his threes and Creese is a what Creese is either a or cold man. It just seems like there's nothing in between with that kid. Um, and they might be better off playing the other kid. I mean, Henderson's a good player. I like Henderson. And Pele coming off the bench is, is just tough as nails. They're not the most athletic team out there, right? Tabellis isn't that athletic. No. So they're not the most athletic. They're skilled. They're skilled. They're highly skilled. They pass it well. They shoot it well. They rebound well. Their positioning's well. They're super well coached. I don't know. I think that they could. I like the bracket that they're in. But, sure, they're capable of losing to just about anybody they play.
0: I was reading John Wilner's piece today, uh, Pac-12 Insider from the San Jose Mercury News. He UCLA in a final, is not he, he? He has UCLA losing in the championship game, the national championship game to Alabama. And I liked what he said about U of A because honestly, it reminds me of last year. Remember last year? They, I know you remember. They lost to Houston. They had the in team. The NCAA to, they had Tournament. a team that could have won it all last they year. They did, a- and Houston turned that game into an ugly, mucked up rock fight. Right? I mean, they slowed the game way. They just didn't let U of A do anything kind of that they like to do in their comfort zone. All it's going to take is one team to make it a rock fight this year. To do something similar to what Houston did. And I think they can kind of gum up what Arizona does. Because they are. They're, they're a great offensive basketball team. But if somebody, don't tur- defend. somebody turns it into a rock fight and somebody turns it into that kind of gritty basketball game that's played in like the 60s. Arizona will struggle. They'll struggle in a moment like that because their their whole deal is based off of shot making and incredible offensive performance. UCLA, UCLA did.
1: That did that
0: to them in the championship and they won. game, and, they, and won. they won.
1: But they needed a Courtney Ramey three with 16 seconds left to win it, and they needed Tiger Williams, one of the best free throw shooters, to miss one, to the, miss a free throw, the back end of a one that would have tied it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they they caught a little bit of a break. Look, they're really talented. Um, I think. Th- I, do I think that they can win it all? No. Do I think they can get
0: to the final four? No. But I think they'll at least get to the Sweet 16. All right, When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, what has led to this absurd tear the Bucks have been on? Are they even talking about the Bucks in Wisconsin? Right. Now, we'll pull somebody away from their computer checking up on Aaron Rodgers to talk Milwaukee Bucks basketball next on the Burns and Gambo show.